All right, welcome in. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, moved today, so it's been a little bit stressful, but uh, glad to reduce the stress with you as we talk about the best sport out there. Yeah, what a life. You get to uh, unwind and talk a little college hoops. Uh, let's jump right into things uh as first well, you know what let's start with a programming note uh this pod usually releases every uh friday morning and every or well, thursday night friday morning and every sunday night into monday morning we will not have a sunday into monday show i have to do some traveling so i will be unable to do the pod uh, we will go back to normal schedule after missing one episode. You will have to live life without us for one week. I know this could, could be very difficult for many of you, but I, I'm sure you'll all be fine. Uh, so, again, next week, back to normal. Next next uh, Thursday into Friday, back to normal, and then we'll be on our regular schedule again. Although that is Thanksgiving. I don't, you know what? I don't know. We may be, I, I don't know what our schedule. We'll figure something up. else out to make, we'll up, find a way to get a pot up, up to you guys. Some shows. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want you to go through the holiday weekend with nothing to bet on. So, uh, <laughs> all right, let's jump into the games. Uh, and we've got some good ones, man. We've had a couple, couple pods where we've been like, Oh, what are the marquee games this week? Didn't have to dig very far this weekend to find some. And let's start with, the Baylor Bears out here in Vegas, where I'm at, Baylor minus four and a half against Virginia. This is Friday. I'll give you the honors here, Griff. Ooh, ooh, thanks. Yeah, I always love uh, the tee box. Um, yeah, so Baylor, uh, no matter what, seems to just murder teams. Uh, it helps that they play like 11 a.m. games against the bottom of the barrels. Um, a tight 17 point win over Norfolk State being their best. Uh, our closest, I guess, game of the season. Uh, so the jury is certainly out on the Baylor Bears. But uh, at this point, how do you not trust um, Scott Drew? I, I mean, crazy that we're saying this now compared to what we were thinking about him years ago. But um, hell of a build of that program. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to to go against them on a neutral floor. I feel like Virginia... Unfortunately, a lot of the luster has worn off. Um, they've obviously had a ton of really, really sad news around their campus and, and football program. And I don't know how much that will play an effect on, on this game necessarily, but uh, it did, I think, get the Northern Iowa game postponed. Um, I imagine that was around those circumstances. And uh, I feel like Tony Bennett, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm a believer that he's ever going to get to – uh, that national title, I mean, the highest you get point you can get, but I'm not sure that the program is anywhere near that at this point. Yeah, I, listen, this is an interesting matchup, particularly when it comes to pace, it, it, because Virginia's off. I mean, Virginia is doing what they always do. They're one of the slowest teams in the country, but they're off to a good start this year because they're hitting 48% from three. Do, do you think if you think that's sustainable, then, you know, Virginia is going to be the best team in the world, because when you only take like 20 shots a game and you hit half of them and your defense is elite, you're going to win a lot of games. But the problem is when you play that slow, you have to make, you have to literally shoot at that kind of a percentage. I don't think it's sustainable. Remember this team was terrible from outside a year ago. And obviously shooting against NC central and Monmouth is easier than it will be here. 
And I don't know, like I said, Virginia defensively, they've got to be elite. I don't know if they are, particularly against the three ball. They're 255th defending the three. And you know Baylor's going to shoot threes. And I already mentioned who Virginia's played so far. North Carolina Central, Monmouth. Like they've, they've not played good teams yet. Remember, they trailed NC Central in the second half. Like they were down in that game. It's just... It, it, I don't believe in this team. I do believe in Baylor. Ken Palm made this Baylor minus one. And I said, if if a book shows Baylor minus one, I'm going to take out a loan. Uh, because I, I just it I didn't believe that number would show. And sure enough, it didn't. It's it opened at four and a half, which I still think is short. So I I, I would play Baylor up to six. I like Baylor a lot in this game. They've got too much depth uh and athleticism for this Virginia team to keep up with a Virginia team that I think is kind of still trying to figure out who they are offensively because they are not going to be a 48% three-point shooting team all season. Yeah, the uh, long long two-point jump shot offense of last year still has a lot of those similar characters. They did add Ben Vanderplas from Ohio, which I think will help that three-point percentage, but uh, I'm with you. 48% is not going to continue with those shooters. Who do we got for the next one? Let's go the other half of this, uh, this, what do they call them? Uh, early season event, multi-tournament event, uh, UCLA and Illinois and Illinois catching four points here. And this is a totally new Illinois team from a year ago. Uh, Kofi Coburn is gone. Trent Frazier is gone. Alfonso Plummer are gone, but Underwood hit the portal hard and he has one of the best freshman class classes in the country. They are very raw. I guess to put it nicely, but they are extremely athletic. They can run one through five. They've got incredible size on the wings and they get to the free throw line a ton. They're very aggressive and it's quite the contrast from this UCLA team that has a ton of experience with Hawkes and Campbell still have some real question marks defensively. And when you talk about teams that don't get to the line, UCLA is one of those. Both of these teams are bad free throw shooting teams. Illinois is not a good free throw shooting team, but they get there so much that eventually those numbers start to pile up. I think it's a pretty tight game. I like the upside of the Illini here, so I'm going to take four points. Uh, I, I don't even consider maybe sprinkling some money line on it, but I, I like Illinois here uh, catching four against UCLA. What do you think? It's, I mean, seeing the Illinois roster and, and seeing what it looks like now, as you mentioned, hitting the portal hard, uh, seeing Matthew Meyer leaving Baylor for Illinois, Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, leaving Texas Tech, Waco for Champaign. I'm not sure uh, which is the better party town, but I guess that's not what they're there for. Um, I'm, you know, I'm surprised in um, kind of the, the fluid change to Illinois off roster in the offseason but i guess that's just what we need to be used to watching this sport now because literally every season the rosters now change so much that it's just really hard to even interpret and i think along those lines it's really hard to know what you're going to get from teams even with really high named and 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 well-known respected players that have been on really good teams in the past um i think i'm going to need illinois to prove that they are uh, willing and capable and able to kind of share in that type of shared success. Um, I think that line's a little higher than I was expecting, but I think the cohesion of UCLA explains that quite a bit. I, I was pretty high on UCLA towards the end of last season. And then 
um, that awful exit against UNC, which I feel like wasn't even really on them. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised to hear you questioning their defense, considering their their head coach McCronin is basically yeah. what he's been known for with absolutely no offense in the past. Um, I do think though that uh, leopards don't often change their spots, so when they are trying to go a completely different way, I don't love that. I'll admit. Um, I think based on this number, I lean with you to Illinois, but I think I need to see it before I believe it. All right, let's talk about a team that we've talked about in every pod so far this year because they have played big games early. Michigan State, five-point favorites, hosting Villanova. And, you know, I think you and I have kind of said the same thing. "Ah, I don't want to back Sparty early. Izzo starts slow and blah, blah, blah. Well, listen, I ended up staying off Kentucky because they were working in multiple new pieces in that Michigan State game. And I was like, well, maybe it takes them some time to figure things out. But thank God I did. But it it didn't take them time to figure things out. Oscar Sheboy was incredible, and it didn't matter. Sparty still won. So I don't know. I mean, this Michigan State team, I think, is just better than I thought coming into the season. Meanwhile, it's kind of hard to like what you've seen from Villanova so far. The Temple loss doesn't look good considering Temple has sandwiched that win with two bad losses, well, at least losses worse than Villanova, and then Nova's sandwiching that loss with two non-impressive wins, including most recently a dogfight with Delaware State. Outside the top 300 in Ken Palm, Delaware State, Nova had a two-point lead with six minutes to go in that game. I think Sparty leans on rebounding. I think they lean on defense. I can't back Nova until we figure out what they are on offense because they're clearly not the same smooth offense that they've been under all these uh, under Jay Wright for all these years. There's some work to do for Villanova and I don't want to be a part of it. So uh, if I, if I had to play on this, it would be Michigan state. Uh, Breslin center is really tough to go in, especially only getting a number like five. Um, I think I, I'm surprised, but I kind of feel like I'm still a buyer in Villanova. I don't really love the start to the season. And to be frank, I don't really know Kyle Neptune and, and what he means. Uh, came from the program, was a really quick hire when Jay Wright was retiring. I'm not sure if it's someone he directly influenced or picked for succession plans or something like that. Um, but, I mean, certainly not off to a great start, Villanova. Uh, had... We I watched that Temple game very closely, and I felt like they have a lot of good pieces, um, but they never were able to take that game. And it's going to be a tougher environment at Michigan State, especially coming off that big win and double overtime over Kentucky. Um, I wonder that probably weighs in the legs a little bit. Uh, and part of why I didn't play Michigan State in that uh, Kentucky game is, is I like them, but I was like, am I really liking this team because – they played Gonzaga close on a ship. And so I was like, I don't know if that's really enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm totally a believer after seeing Michigan State struggle for so many years. Um, I do really like Malik Hall. I do kind of still wonder about who they are as a team besides him. Joey Hauser is just so hit or miss and is such a liability defensively that I worry about that. But I do think that Villanova wants to go inside Eric Dixon, and that's going to be really hard uh, against uh, Mati Sissoko inside. So um, how does Villanova get consistent points here? It feels to me like it's three-point shooting or it's an undersized big trying to score at the rim. Uh, and those are scary things on the road. I think I lean to Villanova, but I don't think that I want to uh, go against the green, go green, go white crowd. 
All right, let's go to our last marquee game. That is, and this is a good one. Kentucky plus three is what we're projecting at Gonzaga. And listen, this is the big question coming into this year for Gonzaga. And and if you've lived under a rock, Gonzaga just got blown out by Texas uh, as it was yesterday as we record this. But the big question coming into this year was how do the Zags replace Chet Holmgren? And the answer is obviously you don't because guys like that don't come around very often. But he doesn't even feel like he's the most missed guy for for the Bulldogs right now. It Not having on, Andrew Nimhard is like a disaster for this team. Gonzaga ranked 34th in turnover rate last year at 15.6. Considering how fast they play, that's a, that's great. If you're 34th in turnover rate and you're playing at a top five tempo, awesome. Uh, this year, they are 293rd, 23.0 turnover rate, and they are playing faster than they did last year. They're playing faster than they've ever played. Nolan Hickman, the de facto point guard, his turnover rate is 30.5. Efton Reed, 46.8. You cannot play this fast and be this sloppy with the ball. I think Shibwe slows down Drew Timmy. I don't know who else I trust on Gonzaga to take care of the ball. So it's Kentucky or pass for me. I don't want to bet Gonzaga to lose two games in a row because it just doesn't happen. But I certainly won't back Gonzaga until they figure out how to take better care of the basketball. What do you think on this one? Uh I think it was mentioned in the broadcast last night, Mark Few talking about, uh, I guess, Hickman. I wasn't really sure that he was going to be the point guard this year, but kind of felt like that. And he was like, he's going to be good, but essentially was like also saying he wasn't ready. I don't know if that's the announcers also saying things and things weren't going very well for Gonzaga because every announcer knows exactly what's going to happen and says how they're not surprised ever by what they're watching. Of course. Um, But which really grinds my gears, if you can't tell. But um, you know, I feel like this is a great team to talk about. We Gonzaga has been on every show of ours so far. They play great out of conference games schedules every year. They're going to be on the show all the time. So get used to it. Um, but that performance at Texas last night was really, really poor. Uh, as a Texas alum, I was clued into that game pretty, pretty closely and thought about backing Gonzaga first half. Um, and thought that Drew Timmy really having a poor shooting night, especially from the free throw line on the moving ship in San Diego was going to be um, a kind of a focal point for their offense. And, and I didn't really see it. Maybe that's having a new point guard that hasn't really figured out how to feed the post, or, or maybe the team is a little bit different and trying to kind of figure out who they are. The problem is we're used to Gonzaga being this dominant force that kills everybody. And, and I certainly don't see that as we've they almost lost by 20 points for the first time in like a very, very long time last night, if not for a late basket, they would have, um, I like the pieces of Gonzaga, but it doesn't really feel like they're fitting very well. Um, switch to Kentucky, and I feel like the the talent on this team hasn't looked very good. I mean, it's relying pretty considerably on on newcomers uh, per usual, but that's not the like five five stars that all start in the starting lineup every time for Kentucky. I was really impressed uh, with their point guard, um, but I got to say it's it's also very weird that they're playing South Co- South Carolina State as we speak right now. Yeah. Um, so Tuesday night in Indianapolis, I guess it's not too far to Lexington, play a, a warm up game, get some more confidence. So they probably are happy about it 
and case and wall is that name that i was i was really really excited about uh, but then they go to spokane it's not gonna be at the kennel so a little bit less home court advantage for gonzaga but still um a tough spot to play in the city of spokane at like a more of a neutral site but it's in spokane there should be tons of zags fans probably lots of cats fans too um I don't really like this spot for Kentucky. I feel like this is a big prove yourself moment for Gonzaga. They escaped with that win against Michigan state or else, uh, I mean, the barn would be on fire at this point. I don't think anyone would be coming from Mark few, but I think that seriously change our opinions of Gonzaga, but they kind of seem like a, a wounded or weaker number two se- uh, team in the country. Certainly going to fall after the loss last night. Um, I just, I don't know that there's enough there for me to back Kentucky here. Cause I'm, Part of me is wondering if the talent from Gonzaga will wake up after a pretty, pretty embarrassing loss. What are your thoughts on Shibway kind of negating what Drew Timmy's able to do? I don't really see Shibway as uh, much of a defender. I mean, certainly he's an incredible rebounder and has added a lot of offensive, uh, I guess, talent to his game. I- and mostly what I mean, like it seems like Timmy, almost all his points come on second chances. Like he's just, he's the trash man. He picks, he, he's taking things off the glass, putting it right back in. He he cleans up all the mistakes. Seems tougher to do with Shibway roaming around there. I, that 100% I agree there. Um, I To me, it's usually Timmy can't be stopped. I mean, uh, the, the great change in what he did in Spokane last year at the Kennel to Texas versus Texas this year with, I mean, Dylan Disu, who, I mean, has got a lot of hype, but I don't know that he's ever really proven to be a great defender. Uh, I don't think Drew Timmy has lost it by any means, but it's possible that people have a better idea of how to defend him. And uh, she weighs a bigger body and a better athlete than him. Uh, Timmy's used to that, I think, running into better athletes, but um, it's going to be a tough thing. And, and it probably go if, if Drew Timmy can't win that matchup, I don't know how Gonzaga wins the game. Um, besides some good shooting and home cooking or, or playing at home and playing well from the other pieces. But I think that's going to be an important matchup. And if you think Shibuya wins it, uh, then maybe taking those points on Kentucky might be worth it. All right, there you go. That is the key matchups. That game, of course, on Sunday. Let's get into our best bet segment where we went one and one last week. You carried the day. You pull ahead of me. Uh, I've got to start picking it up. So I, again, you get the tee box because you are, uh, you're the leader in the clubhouse right now. Where are you going with your best bet this I'll week? I'll take it. And, uh, just before we even get to the best bets, why don't I give out a promo code for everyone listening to this college basketball podcast, use a promo code pass 20, uh, pass the ball. Like AJ just passed the mic for the, the first best bet of this, uh, I guess Thursday night into Friday weekend episode of the college basketball edition of RJ Bell's stream preview preview uh, 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. Use the co- promo code pass 20. Uh, it's good for seven days. Um, I'm going to go with George Mason. Uh, and, and I feel like it's a little bit different of a team for George Mason. I'm, I'm making sure I got the, the right number right now. It looks like I see a two and a three out there as we speak. So I'll give two and a half. Does that sound fair to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go George Mason minus two and a half. Um, Kim English coming in uh, with a long, I mean, really good basketball player at Missouri and then has basically gone this long assistant coach kind of tree through Colorado and then also Tennessee and a bunch of other places. Landed at George Mason, brought in a lot of talent. Um, and I feel like this is year two of, of Kim English and things are going to get really good for this team. Uh, Josh Arduro stuck around, really good interior player who I thought was going to transfer and go to a bigger program, but it seems like Kim English makes some really good connections with his players. 
long story short, um, I really liked what I saw from Devontae Gaines on a road at Auburn a couple games ago. It uh, wasn't a, a good result for George Mason, but um, they're also playing Boston College, who I feel like just can't really ever get off to a good start. Um, they've had some troubles to start the season. I don't really think there's a ton of talent on Chestnut Hill. And uh, currently right now in the Virgin Islands is where this game's going down. So neutral court, a little bit different, but I feel like a lot of times on neutral court, you're picking a winner. And especially under three, I think George Mason are, are, are worth a, a look, a bet, a best bet for this episode. So I'm giving George Mason minus two and a half for my best bet. Yeah, uh, this is actually this was probably my second choice when I was making best bets uh, when I was looking through them today. And Boston College has done nothing to inspire any kind of confidence that that Earl Grant's got it figured out. Like, I think maybe by the time the season's done, they start to show some improvement, but barely beating Cornell, barely beating Detroit Mercy and then losing to Maine. And I had a bet on Maine. It was like plus 20 and a half. Like you can't lose outright to the 343rd team in Ken Palm and then just show up the next day and be a oh, two and a half point dog against a, a, a solid George Mason team on a neutral. The first time you're not playing in your building. I, I agree with this pick completely. So I, I endorse this. Uh feel strongly about it. Let's look at my best bet. I'm going to go with the Florida Gators, they are five and a half point favorites at Florida State. And so far, the problems with Florida State are the exact same ones that plagued them last year when they went four and nine to finish up the season. They can't shoot from two or three. Uh, they give up way too many second chance opportunities and they don't defend the three at all. And they were 325th against three-pointers last year. They are 321st to start this year, and the Gators will shoot it well. They are 34th in three-point percentage, though they do prefer to run everything inside through Colin Castleton, one of the best players in the country so far. And I, I think most people expected him to be one of the better players in the country this year. His stat line from last year's Florida State win, or win against Florida State, 15 points, 16 rebounds, six blocks. And that was with a senior and Malik Osborne assigned to him most of the night. Now it looks like freshman Cameron Corrin is going to get the draw uh, for Castleton. And that's just an absolute mismatch. Florida State has yet to be competitive in a game this season. They have played Troy, Central Florida, and Stetson. Florida's hitting the road for the first time this year. I don't think it matters much considering they've got a big experience edge here. I think the Gators roll here. This Florida State team, like it, something's happened over the last two or three years to to Leonard Hamilton's teams where it, it, people have figured it out. Like if you can't just not, you can't have so-so basketball players and they just, they're just super athletic and they're bigger and faster than everybody. No, that doesn't work anymore. And it's certainly not working for Leonard Hamilton's squad, uh, who has started out the season 0-3. I don't see anything to like about Florida State this season. What do you think? I'm still shocked uh, that UCF at home, okay, that's helpful, but out-rebounded Florida State 52-22. to um, that, that never happened in like three years ago. In like 2020 and before that, you never saw Florida State get bullied on the boards by unless it was another bully team. 
I honestly, I even tweeted um, at halftime of a UCF Florida State game, uh, getting a little worried. This is the last season we'll see Leonard, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton uh, because they were down 28 to 8 at halftime. And so that actually they didn't like wake up, come off the mat and make sure they're going to get every rebound like it got worse. So, man, I just by the way, they got out rebounded by Stetson, too. They, they, they were able to out rebound Troy by two. But yeah, Stetson out rebounded this team. I mean, it's really I, I really love Leonard Hamilton. I, I thought his style of trying to get 10 guys that are all going to play like an equal amount of minutes and just get the best out of them. That worked really well. I wonder if this COVID transfer change has made it really hard for him to get people because they don't want to go there and, and play reduced minutes. They want to go out there and shine so they can make their G League roster or get drafted or something like that. And, and I wonder if this might be beginning of the end, because unfortunately for a lot of these older coaches, it goes really quickly. Um, an 0-4 start for Leonard Hamilton would not be great for Florida State moving forward in his time there, I don't think. Yeah, and I don't know. It's probably too early to tell if Todd Golden is the right guy for, for Florida, and they lost to Florida Atlantic. Although Florida Atlantic for a you know for a uh, a non power five team is is still very good for a mid major is still very good, uh, so I'm not like throwing them out with that. But it, right now, I, I think you just have to say there's a coaching edge to the Gators here. Like it, it doesn't doesn't even seem like it's close to be honest. So given what given what Todd Golden did his last couple of years at San Francisco and what Leonard Hamilton's done the last couple of seasons, I, I don't think you can feel good about Leonard Hamilton in this matchup. So uh Florida minus five and a half, my best bet uh for this episode. That is going to do it, friends. There you go. That we've covered all the big matchups this weekend. We've covered our best bets. We've given you a chance to save some money at pregame.com. Uh, like I said, the, the note that we gave at the beginning, not sure what our schedule is going to be for the next week. We will figure it out and we will let you know. That's all the more reason you should subscribe to the feed. That way you just get all the, all the stuff when it's populate, when it populates, it's just right there in your phone. No problem. It's there. Griffin. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy your new place. And I will, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch with you on when we can get back in the saddle. And until then, all you guys, enjoy some hoops. We'll talk to you next week.